man, I'm so glad you're in my life. Um, and I, I'm grateful um, that you're here. I'm grateful I'm here. I'm grateful God has kept me here for 40 years. And Deb and I want to thank you for all the kindness that you've showered on us the last couple of weeks celebrating our 40th uh, anniversary of ministry here. Um, if you've never met me, and you might not have, because July, I was gone on my study break. Um, a study break, for me, is when I take a month off from preaching five times a weekend and just spend extended time in God's presence, in God's Word, loving God, letting God love me, listening to God, learning from God. And this study break had a particular question that I had to wrestle with. God, what do you want me to do with the rest of my life? I've been serving the same church for 40 years. Am I where you want me to be? Am I doing what you want me to do? Um, do you want me to step aside, step down, retire? Is there someone else who could do a better job at this? Someone more qualified, someone more gifted? Lord, what do you want me to do? And so, over the course of a month of asking God that question, as I read His Word and as I pray, um, I came away out of that month with a sense that God was calling me to do three things. Uh, I felt like He told me, feed my sheep, lead my sheep, protect my sheep. And so I feel like I've been recommissioned by God to serve Him, serve you, that this is my new job description, if you will. And I'm going to try to do all three of these. Um, we'll start, take the middle one out, the leadership part. I'd like to lead you in prayer right now, to pray for the brokenness in Haiti and the trouble in Afghanistan. Would you just bow with me for a second? Lord, sin has just wrecked our world. Catastrophe, poverty, godlessness, and, and people are just hurt on this planet. And you've been so good to us. So we lift uh, the island of Haiti before you. We lift the nation of Afghanistan before you, Lord. And what we cannot do, would you do and answer our prayers? Please be a healing God for those folks. Please be a helping God for those folks. Please be hope for those folks. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I do want to feed you tonight on God's Word. And I do want to lead you I do want to lead you to follow God's call to be a united church, not a uniform church where we all dress alike or think alike or share the same perspective, but the perspective of our love for Jesus, that we would follow God's call to be one people with one faith, serving one Lord Jesus. Here's the Word of God. Let's check it out together. Scripture says, be faithful. That's to me. That's to you. Be faithful. Be faithful to guard the sweet harmony of the Holy Spirit among you in the bonds of peace. Be bound together with peace, not politics. Be bound together 
with peace. Not by opinions, not by perspectives or preference. Be bound together by peace. Being one body and one spirit, so you are called into the same glorious hope of divine destiny. God has a destiny, yeah, for this church. Big destiny that he's working out for this church, but God has a destiny for you. Probably beyond your wildest dreams. God has a destiny for your relationships. And as we devote ourselves to be one people, under the banner of our Lord Jesus, He is able to unfold and work out His destiny for our lives. For the Lord God is one. And so are we. That's the way it's supposed to work in His church. For we share one faith, one baptism, and one Father. And He, He is the perfect Father who leads us all works through us all, and lives in us all. And He has graciously given each one of you supernatural grace. Say grace. Grace is the goodness of God that we don't deserve bestowed in our lives. It's not regular, everyday, vanilla, garden variety grace. It is supernatural grace. And it's been given to you with the intent that you'll be gracious to each other and gracious to others who are yet to know Jesus. God has graciously given you supernatural grace. So, knowing that, let me share with you one more tidbit of truth from God's Word. Let me feed you. It says, God has revealed His grace. Say grace. God has revealed His grace. He is undeservedly good to save the whole human race. The whole human race. That's every kind of person. That's every color of person. That's every culture a person. God is devoted to saving the entire human race. And if you are a Christ follower, check it out. If you are a Christian, it is everything to God, how you treat every kind of person and every color of person. It's a big deal to God because God made every race. Um, Let me show you three things God hates from the Word of God, again, feeding on God's Word, the Lord God does not tolerate three things. God hates perverted justice, He hates partiality, and God hates the taking of bribes. Now, taking of bribes, bribery, that's having to pay someone off for them to treat you right. Now, Eric and I, anybody who's done an international adoption, we understand about bribery. Bribery is having to pay somebody to treat you right. But what about those other two behaviors? Perverted justice. Justice is equal treatment for every single person. So perverted justice is injustice. Injustice is when everyone is not treated equally. God hates that. And the ugly twin sister of perverted justice is partiality. Partiality is a, um, it's an old English word that was used to describe racial prejudice. 
racial prejudice. God hates racial prejudice. Now, this is a church, if you're unfamiliar with this, we love Jesus, we love His Word, we want to make the love of Christ available and known to every person on the planet. And because Jesus loves every kind of person, every color of person, every cultural person, so do we. In fact, for uh, our our devotion to uh, racial unity, uh, for over 25 years, we have had a Latino uh, congregation with Latino staff members. Uh, For over 20 years, we have had an inner city campus, New Life, led by our Bishop Wiles, that is predominantly uh, black. And for over 35 years, uh, black people and Asian people and Latino people and white people have worshiped right here in this room or in other rooms that make up the Beloit campus. We love the beauty and power of diversity, not just to be unique in that way, but because Jesus loves diversity. In fact, all these years that I've been the pastor, we we wrestle with, you know, what is God's plan, His desire, His determination for our church? I mean, you know how Jesus taught us to pray, right? When you pray, pray like this. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your your kingdom come, your on earth as it is in heaven. That's how Jesus said, when you pray, pray this. You pray, your will be done on earth. So God, let your will be done at Central Christian as it is in heaven. Well, what does God's will look like in heaven? Well, the best friend of Jesus, a man named John, was given the opportunity in his 90s In his 90s, he was given the chance to look into heaven. And here's what John saw. I looked, and there was an enormous crowd. God loves crowds. He loves all kinds of people gathered together to worship him. I looked, and there was an enormous crowd. No one could count all the people. They were from every race, every tribe, every nation, and every language. So, heaven is a glorious expression of racial diversity. It's every kind of person, every color of person, every culture of person. This tells me that God has never made a person that he does not love, that God has never made a person that he does not want with him in heaven, that God has never made a person that Jesus did not die for on the cross. And when Jesus rose from the dead, he rose victoriously for every kind of person, every color of person, and every culture a person. And so why is it that God um, has this intense hatred of racial prejudice? Let me show you. First of all, racial prejudice is an attack on God as creator. Here's the word of God. Feed on this, my friends. From one human being, Adam, God created all races of people and made them live throughout the whole earth. God made, God, the the, the sense, the idea, 
the, the innovation of racial diversity is precious to God because God created. It was His idea in the beginning. And when we, when we show prejudice toward those who might look differently than us, it's like we're saying, hey God, why didn't you make everybody look like me? And you ought to be glad that not everybody looks like me. God hates racial prejudice because racial prejudice is an attack on God the Creator. Racial prejudice is also an attack on God's wisdom. It was His idea. It was His genius, if you will. Genius is too weak a word for God. This goes way beyond genius. This is the best possible thing for our planet and for our church. God, your will be done at central as it is in heaven. Let me show you the Word of God. Scripture says wisdom from above, that's God's wisdom. Wisdom from above is pure. First character, it's pure. First of all, it is also This is how you know you're behaving, you're thinking, you're speaking with the wisdom of God. It's peaceful. It's gentle. It's friendly. And this is how you know other people are functioning with the wisdom of God. They are gentle, peaceful, friendly. Look at this. It is full. The wisdom of God is full of compassion. It produces a harvest of good deeds. This is not how you know your life is characterized by the wisdom of God. Your life produces a harvest of compassionate good deeds, and it is absolutely free of prejudice and hypocrisy. Why did he put both of those words together? This is the brother of Jesus who writes this wisdom. Why does he put those, both of those words together? Because if we are followers of Jesus and we allow thoughts of racial prejudice to exist in our minds or feelings of racial prejudice to exist in our hearts or they come out in behavior, or it, it, it just is evidence that we are hypocrites. The prejudice is evidence of the hypocrisy. So that, that's two. Here's the third thing. Racial prejudice is an attack on God's very character. Not just how He created, not just the wisdom within His creation, but it's an attack on His character. Look at the Word of God. Let's feed on this. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. That's not His character. That might be in our character. Man looks at the outward appearance not God. God looks at the heart. And again, it's the brother of Jesus who writes, if you treat people according to their outward appearance, you are guilty of sin. And the wages of sin is death. So racial prejudice is not a a skin issue. Racial prejudice is a Sin issue. Now, the good news um, that I feel for us is evidences itself in two ways. One, we are part of Central Christian, where there is a, an intentional and has always been an intentional and strategic effort to bring about racial harmony in our community with the love of Christ. And, and number two, as the body of Christ here, we are members of God's kingdom of light and love. 
And, and if Jesus said, you guys are the light of the world. So when we, though we are regular, ordinary people, but we are consumed with his supernatural grace, when we shine the light of God's love through our behavior, through our words, through our attitudes, through our thoughts, we actually push back the darkness of racial prejudice. We can literally transform a, a, a church, a region into the kingdom of God's love and light for all kinds of people, all colors of people, all cultures of people. Now, uh, here's how the Apostle Paul taught this to the church in Colossae. He said this, whatever you do or say, whatever I mean, you're going to do something, you're going to say something, and whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. So, you're in Walmart, again, or my Debbie's favorite store, Menards, or the Dollar Store, her second favorite store, or Aldi's, her third favorite store. She just keeps going one store to the other. But when you see someone who has a different color of skin than you, you are the representative of Jesus Christ to them. I was in Woodman's, so I didn't run into my wife at all these, the dollar store or Menards, getting groceries. And this tall, handsome, uh, young black man comes in with this short, beautiful, older black woman. And though I look like a um, very muscular, physical specimen, I could not get the carts apart. And this, uh, this uh, tall, good-looking black young man comes up and boop. <laughs> and I, I, I looked at him. I said thank you to him, looked at his mom and said, you need to keep him. And she said, that's my son. I'm keeping him. And I just said, you know, that's awesome. Thanks a lot. You guys have a great day. You know, I, I believe that in that moment, as in the moments you have, I'm a representative of Jesus Christ. Twice, Tracy. And I have bumped into each other at the Walmart in Roscoe. She heard the sound of my voice, came running up to me, wanted a hug. We embraced each other. She's a representative of Jesus to me. I'm a representative of Jesus to her. We know each other. I didn't know that family at Woodman's, but wherever you go, wherever I go, we are the representative of Jesus Christ with our words and with our behavior. So how did Jesus do this? If, he, if we represent him, we got to know how he did it. How did Jesus come against racial prejudice? Here's the first thing. You got to know about our Jesus. Jesus showed unconditional respect and dignity to every person he encountered. Now, let's just use women as an example. In the day of Jesus, women were considered non-persons. More like a piece of property. And Jesus showed every single woman he encountered unconditional. This is the way Christ's followers are. People don't have to earn our respect. Because we follow Jesus, we show all people, all colors of people, all kinds of people, unconditional respect and dignity. So think of the Women that were racially different from Jesus, the Syrophoenician woman, the, the woman at the well in Samaria, Jesus showed them dignity, unconditional, unconditional respect. 
prostitutes who followed him. Uh, the woman literally caught in the act of adultery, unconditional respect and dignity. Um, poor women and rich women, women who were disabled and thus deemed untouchable by their culture. Jesus shows them unconditional respect and dignity. Uh, smart women, illiterate women. And what Jesus showed every woman, he showed every man and child. And so Peter, one of his best friends, puts it in a nutshell. Peter writes, show respect to everyone, everyone at Woodman's, everyone in your neighborhood, everyone in our community, everyone at Walmart. I hope I'm never called upon to go to Menards, but if I am, I'll show everyone respect. I'm afraid I'll have to buy a tool. Um, that's why I don't go there. Now, here, here's the next thing. Could we go back just a second? Jesus, it wasn't just that Jesus showed every single person. So if we are his representatives, we show every single person unconditional dignity and respect. But Jesus listened beyond people's words to their hurts. They would come to him and just puke out their pain, just puke out their problems. And it wasn't always pretty. Sometimes it was mingled with a lot of anger. Sometimes it was a personal attack on him. But Jesus would listen beyond the words to their hurt. That does not tend to be our default position. When people speak unkindly to us, or if people speak a political position with which we differ and disagree, we shut down. We shut them out. We stop listening on the basis of our disagreement. Or if people say hurtful words to us, again, we stop listening and we lash out at them. We don't take the time. If we represent Jesus, we take the time to get past their words, absorb their anger, absorb their upset, absorb what they're saying. I remember I've raised four teenage children, uh, two boys, excuse me, three boys and a daughter. And girls are lots harder if you're considering children try to get a boy. Um, <laughs> just kidding. That's just a joke. That's just a joke. I love you. Um, and there were times when each of those sons and my daughter would be very angry with me. And they had no compulsion about just pouring out their anger on me. And I would remember that on the cross, Jesus absorbed all the anger of God to me for my sin. And so as I just listened to all the hurtful things they said, all the harsh, sometimes hateful things they said, I just would try to absorb it. Let's get past the words to the hurt. And so again, it's the brother of Jesus who writes, everyone who's a Christ follower must be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Human anger does not achieve God's righteous pur purpose. Never. Human anger never achieves God's righteous purpose. Now, what, what does it take to make you angry? What, what, does it, what does someone have to say to you to make you angry? Right now, for me, it's just talking about the Cubs. 
No, what does, what does someone have to say that makes you angry? What does someone have to do that would actually uh, just make you fume? Jesus, with nails piercing his wrists and ankles, dangling helplessly from a bloodstained cross, as people mocked him, made fun of him, spat upon him, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. The men who executed him were of a different race. They were from Rome. They were Italian. Or at least they were Roman soldiers. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And so when we are representatives of Jesus and people say things that we don't agree with, or people say things or do things that hurt us, we remind ourselves that they really don't know what they're doing. I've got to get past their words to their heart. Maybe I should just pray for their healing. Thirdly, Jesus Loves all pe- loved all people unconditionally, completely, continually. How does, how does Jesus love you? Jesus loves you and me. He loves us unconditionally, completely, continually, without end. Here's what Jesus said. My command, not my suggestion, not here's an option. Jesus said, my command is this, love each other as I've loved you. So, we love others just as Jesus has loved us. We love people of every color, culture, every kind of person. We love them unconditionally. We love them completely. And we love them continually. For that's how Jesus has loved us. Again, James, the brother of Jesus, he he says it this way, as believers in our Lord Jesus, you must never, never treat people in different ways because of their outward appearance. Now, the good news is, I mean, we all see the, 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 the struggle and strife in this broken world in which we live, but God has a plan God has a plan to make things right. God has a plan for continual love. God has a plan for unconditional love. God has a plan for complete love. And God's plan is the church. Jesus had a plan for racial peace. And it's his church. It's me. It's you. It's us together. Look at the word of God. Feed on this. Although you were once, that's you and that's me, Although we were once distant and far away from God, now we've been brought delightfully close to Him through the sacred, sacrificial blood of Jesus. We have actually been united to Christ. Our reconciling peace is Jesus by dying as our sacrifice. He has broken down every wall of prejudice that separated us and has now made us equal with each other through our union with Christ. You know, I've been hoping that over the course of my talk that the Holy Spirit would be moving on your heart and you would, yeah, this is is how I've got to live. This is how we've got to live. This this has got to be our church. But but you wonder, you know, how can I do it? I I mean, I'm just me. What difference can I make? Well, 
Number one, here's, let me just give you a simple little plan. Number one, be nice. Even in Menards or Aldi's or the dollar store or Walmart or Woodman's. When you see anybody of any age, culture, or color, just look them in the eye and be nice. Unconditional respect and dignity. You happen to come to a church that honors what God has done through His creation, His wisdom, and His character. I know you've come to church tonight uh, for Saturday night worship, but here's something you can do. Show up at 11 o'clock tomorrow. Bring a lawn chair or two. We'll meet out in our plaza. We'll have a completely different kind of worship experience. I won't be preaching, so that's another good reason to come. But you can be a part of our church's unity service with our campus from Janesville, our Latino congregation, our inner city black congregation. That's one way that you can actually contribute to bringing about racial harmony with your life. We can do it right here. Maybe we can't change the world, but we can elevate the love of Jesus right where we live. And so we are going to begin right now in this moment by celebrating communion together. I hope that you have uh, the emblems with you. Communion is when we remember the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. So uh, communion is when we identify in ourselves the things in us that need to be put to death. There are thoughts that need to be put to death. There are preferences that need to be put to death. There are opinions and politics that need to be put to death in us. And then allow God to resurrect us as a new creation with His thought, His opinion, His perspective. And so um, I'd like for you to take the emblems now. Tear off that little cellophane seal. I have to bend the, that sticky out tip. I have to bend it all the way down. And that allows me then to remove that top and then take that We're really not sure what that substance is. We're pretending right now it's bread. Jesus says if you eat it, you're eating real life. Jesus says if you eat it, you're eating eternal life. And thank Jesus that he died for your sins. Thank Jesus that he forgives your sins. Thank Jesus that he cleanses you of all guilt and shame. Take the bread now and eat. And now the juice, remove that little foil from the top of the cup. This to us is the blood of Christ. This makes us one. It's not what's on the outside of us. It's what we put into our hearts, the flesh and blood of Jesus. Jesus says, when you eat my flesh and drink my blood, I'll come and live inside you and enable you to be my representative of what you say and what you do. Let me pray over you as you drink the juice, the blood of Christ. Lord Jesus, though this world is so broken and dark, you are the light of God's love and you live in us. We are so honored that you allow us to be a part of a church where we intentionally and strategically work toward racial harmony, loving each other, 
looking not on the outside but on the inside, through the heart, just like you. Lord, we want your character. We want your wisdom. We worship you as our creator who made every person in your image. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. I love you. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wired podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and have a great week. Bye.